Nebraska housing market is piping hot right now. An Omaha news report from March said only 500 homes were for sale in the city, with one real estate expert saying a healthy marketplace usually has 3,500 listings. Obviously, those are great numbers for someone looking to sell. But for Nebraska to see growth, the supply of affordable housing options will need a boost in communities of all sizes. You're listening to The Full Platter, the official podcast of the Platt Institute. I'm Jim Vocal. Today's guest is leading an effort to rethink how the city of Omaha approaches housing policy. The outcome could have statewide and even national implications. Will Green is with the Omaha Missing Middle Housing Campaign. Thanks for joining me, Will. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jim. So, Will, the Omaha Missing Middle Housing Campaign, which the Platt Institute belongs to, aims to provide a range of diverse housing options in the city, especially in higher density residential areas and along Omaha Metro public transit routes. Before we get to the policy discussion, Will, can you tell me how and why you got involved in an issue like housing? Yeah, you know, it's an issue that I think is is pretty amazing uh, because people come to it for so many different reasons. Um, and, and I think influenced by their own personal experiences, uh, my motivation really started from uh, trying to build a more sustainable society. You know, I think from a, a point of uh, research uh, or sorry, uh, conservation of resources uh, and, and really climate action, uh, you know, we need to find ways to have a society that's just le- less dependent on inefficient uh, modes of travel and really, uh, you know, single occupancy vehicles, uh, you know, really being a, uh, a critical barrier to, uh, sort of in my mind, taking the country to the next level um, in terms of en- environmental sustainability and, and uh, resource conservation. So that was my personal motivation. A lot of people will don't know a lot about missing middle housing. So let's talk about it a little bit more. What are all the housing options that it encompasses? And tell us why they are frequently missing in cities like Omaha. Yeah, so uh, a uh, architect, Dan Paralek, uh, coined the term, and he's actually from Columbus, Nebraska, which is one reason we we chose this this name. Um, and so he, you know, he he defines it as the the actual form of the structures themselves are not uh, radically different from maybe a large single family detached house. You just have more housing units within within that form. And so, you know, it it might be a, a duplex. You know, it might be a single-family house with with a basement apartment, um, or you know, a rented-out uh, bedroom and, and maybe a kitchenette. Um, you know, it could be uh, a townhome. Um, it could be, uh, you know, up to uh, you know, live-work units. Um, you know, and we talk a lot about pedestrian-scale um, apartments. Uh, but you know, really, uh, structures that, that fit extremely well into. Uh, you know, residential neighborhoods, um, and that traditionally were a key part of residential neighborhoods that have really been excluded. Um, and so, you know, the, the reason that's the case today, and, and that we really, in almost every city in America, and certainly in Omaha, um, across, and across the state of Nebraska, we're, we're missing this type of structure, is, is we've been living under a Euclidean regime of zoning, and that, and that references a uh, Supreme Court case in the 1920s, um, the village of Euclid and the Supreme Court upheld their uh, their rights to uh, to zone and, and separate uses. And so Euclidean zoning was uh, sort of seized upon in an era of, uh, of you know, I would say extreme uh, you know, segregation as an opportunity to you know, create uh, exclusive zones of our city that were protected in, in people's minds from 
you know, certain classes of society. And so we, uh, we really started to segregate our, our uh, it was used as a, as a form of segregation when, when outright explicit uh, racial zoning was, was outlawed um, at that point. Uh, and so, you know, it's really kind of stunning to realize we, we still live um, in an exclusionary uh, zoning society, you know, with, with, with some, you know, few exceptions, but, uh, you know, we're, we're living in that world today. And, and you know, I do think there's a growing movement to, you know, uh, to move beyond that. Appreciate that. Well, the World Herald recently featured a series of articles on Omaha's future, and there was a lot of overlap with the work that you're doing in the Omaha Missing Middle Housing Campaign, including a piece on urban infill development. What is infill development and what opportunities does the city have to maximize affordable housing options in taking that route? Yeah, so I mean, infill is essentially anything that uh, any uh, development that occurs within our existing infrastructure. Um, and, you know, so it kind of depends on the city. I would say if you know Omaha, uh, you know, we think of infill as, as east of Interstate 680, uh, you know, even more so, you know, east of 72nd Street, um, you know, but infill development takes advantage of existing roads, existing sidewalks, existing utilities, um, you know, existing land, land space, uh, and, uh, you know, is a more efficient approach to, uh, to housing our population, to having, you know, I mean, there's infill commercial development. We're mostly focused on on residential with this campaign. We think it's really the the key uh, the key element. Um, uh, but really, that that's the benefit of, of infill development, and I'd say also takes advantage of existing uh, transportation infrastructure and, and uh, you know allows for folks to be able to uh, walk to amenities that exist, and you, you don't have to sprawl uh, to to you know new farmland out out west or, or south uh, for housing. Speaking of zoning and transportation, the Missing Middle Housing Campaign has advocated for zoning policies that permit more housing options, including accessory dwelling units in close proximity to the new transit route for Orbit, Omaha's new rapid transit line. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that how it's going, and can you give us a review on actually riding Orbit and how accommodating housing around the system might enable more people to live and work affordably in Omaha? Yeah, I, I've had the chance to, to ride it a couple times, and, and for the first time, uh, took my bike on it uh, the other day. And, you know, just really, I'd say the, the biggest game changer for me is just the uh, the frequency. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, every 10 to 15 minutes, and so you really don't need to worry about uh, going through a bus schedule. If you go to the station, there's going to be a bus coming. Even if you just missed it, you, you won't have to wait uh, very long. And so I, I do think, you know, and they've, we're starting to see early signs of, of ri- a ridership surge uh, compared to the existing Route 2 that used to go up and down Dodge. And so you know, early signs are, are really positive. Uh, but to really make orbit work and to really... Uh, you know, make our, our public transit system work. People need to be able to uh, uh, live close enough, you know, within the walk shed you talk about of, of an orbit stop um, or, or, a um, you know, or a bus stop. And so that's uh, considered within a half mile. Uh, folks are usually uh, willing to, to take that, that level of, of walk, um, you know, to, to get to a bus. And so that's, you know, where we, we focused our campaign, especially at the end of last year with the passage of uh, Omaha's transit oriented development policy. We need missing middle and, and even, uh, you know, as, as you get closer to the or- orbit stops, uh, mid-rise uh, level development uh, to, 
to uh, make sure those those transit investments are successful. Well, a lot of the national housing discussion is focused on larger cities, right? But in Nebraska, we actually have unaddressed housing needs in communities of all sizes. Our, uh, as an example, senior fellow, Laura Ebke, lives in Crete, Nebraska, with a population of 7,000. And today, checking on Zillow and Realtor.com, I can only find one listing for less than $200,000. So I think housing advocates have the attention of leaders statewide. Where do they go from here? Yeah, the, you know, the statewide uh, issue is, is I guess, uh, a tough one to, to, uh, to grapple with. You know, we, we have decided to sort of stay mostly focused on, on you know, the city of Omaha, you know, this is where we can uh, uh, kind of leverage our relationships and and uh, and really you know organize a grassroots uh, campaign uh, for for positive change. You know that being said, when a great bill comes along like like uh, uh, Senator Matt, Matt Hansen's Missing Middle Housing Act uh, that came along last year, uh, sort of out of the blue, at least from our perspective, you know we we had no choice but to go down and and, and support that and, and do do what we could to try and pass that through. Um, and you know, a, a watered down version, uh, significantly watered down version of it did did get uh, get through the legislature. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you know certainly uh, a bill out of the legislature, you know, would be the most effective way to to, to make these changes happen on the statewide level. Uh, you know, the the state actually has zoning powers that they they grant they grant to municipalities. Um, and so they they do have that ability to make uh, statewide change. And I think uh, to date we've seen it. I mean, Oregon, uh, I believe, is the only state that that has made uh, significant uh, statewide movement uh, on on missing middle housing and, and infill housing. Uh, but you know, if we could make that happen in Nebraska, it'd certainly be uh, sort of the holy grail, I guess, of, of policy. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that legislation. Last year, the legislature passed a law requiring large and medium-sized cities to publish affordable housing action plans. This year, they tweaked the law by allowing cities to incorporate that into their master plan, which we think could help cities to keep these issues top of mind. But we also know that legislation doesn't implement itself. What has to happen, Will, at the local level so that the idea of encouraging governments to implement land use reforms really occur? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of our, like I said, you know, we think this is going to have, you know, this is going to get done at, at the city level. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be amazing if the legislature did come through with, with a bill, uh, you know, such as Oregon passed, uh, you know, that would uh, sort of end exclusionary zoning on a statewide basis uh, at the local level. Like I said, you know, we, we can get this done with building relationships, coalitions, um, you know, with groups like the Platt Institute, we have, uh, you know, diverse coalition behind this effort from the AARP Sierra club, uh, you know, one Omaha, uh, some of the neighborhood groups, Sallow Creek Corridor Neighborhood Association, the Architects, AIA, Nebraska, uh, you know, Mode Shift Omaha, Green Omaha Coalition. Uh, and so, you know, that type of uh, coalition coming together uh, and uh, marshalling also the grassroots, uh, which we think is going to be the most powerful, uh, you know, tool in the toolkit uh, to, to get our city council and, and, and mayor uh, on board with ending exclusionary zoning in, in, in Omaha. Okay, before I let you go, Will, this issue has a lot of nonpartisan appeal, but we also saw during the 2020 election, 
that can also be used to drive a wedge between people based on whether they live in the city or the suburbs, or if they're just happy with their neighborhood currently. And now we're in the middle of an election cycle here in Omaha. Can you give me your best pitch for why somebody who is pretty happy with their own housing situation should still care about reforming the policies we use here in Nebraska? Yeah, it's a really great, great question, uh, Jim. And, and, you know, I'd say touching on your point of the nonpartisan appeal, um, it, it's honestly why I love this issue the most is I get to work with people like you and, and Adam Weinberg, um, who are fantastic advocates and, and coming at this, um, you know, some, from a free market, free enterprise perspective, um, you know, you have uh, a diverse coalition behind behind allowing, uh, you know, more diverse housing choices in Omaha. Unfortunately, you also have the, you, know, you do see the opposite. You see both liberals and conservatives uh, who are in support of exclusionary zoning, you know, sort of from fear-based arguments. You know, I would say uh, who, uh, you know, wants their neighbor to not change. You know, I think just the uh, nature of, of living in a city Good cities do evolve over time, to, and they respond to the needs, you know, economic needs and, and social needs of, of, of its citizens. Uh, you know, and that includes, uh, you know, someone who today might, uh, you know, appreciate their large lot single family uh, house. Um, you know, their needs may change over time, and and maybe as they uh, retire, you know, we're seeing uh, thousands of boomers retiring today. Uh, they may want to have that townhouse. Uh, you know, that smaller, uh, you know, more compact and convenient style of living without the big yard to maintain, without the, you know, the, without the roof, without the, uh, you know, equipment breaking down that you have to deal with with a large single family house. Um, and so what we're talking about is opportunities for people to actually stay in their neighborhoods uh, as their needs change. Um, you know, I'll say just who, who doesn't want, uh, you know, that opportunity for walkability um, you know, this style of housing is going to bring about, you know, that, that the neighborhood coffee shop, um, you know, the, uh, you know, maybe that corner store convenience store in the neighborhood um, that you really need like a higher level of density um, in a residential neighborhood to support. Will, before we wrap up, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell people and our listeners how they can learn more about Omaha's Missing Middle Housing Campaign. Yeah, so you can go to missingmiddleomaha.com. Uh, we have a petition. I mean, that's a way to get on our email list. Uh, we meet the first Tuesday of every month at 5.30 p.m. Uh, over uh, Zoom currently, and we'll probably continue on Zoom uh, with a hybrid in-person, uh, hopefully soon with pandemic uh, pending. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. I think it's facebook.middleomaha.com. Uh, but if you search Omaha Missing Middle Housing Campaign, um, on Facebook, we're, we're active there and uh, you know, we encourage people to, to come to our monthly meeting. Uh, we have an accessory dwelling unit subcommittee uh, that's currently also meeting on a monthly basis to try and get uh, backyard cottages and carriage houses, uh, granny flats, ADUs have a number of different names, but permitted citywide right now. It's virtually impossible to build, uh, you know, and this is sort of slightly outside of the missing middle uh, framework, but uh, but we want to see ADUs permitted citywide in residential zones. And so we've gotten uh, uh, almost all of the uh, mayoral candidates on board uh, for, for that policy change. Um, and, uh, and so that group uh, meets uh, on a monthly basis as well. Thanks for joining me, Will. And thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about this issue, you can check out our Platt Institute report, Build More Housing at PlattInstitute.org slash policy. And if you like our work, 
You can also make a donation to help fund our research and advocacy, or you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter where I keep you posted about today's most important issues facing Nebraskans. Join us again next time as we continue our mission to remove economic barriers and make Nebraskans proud. Thank you.